and then I got to start the countdown for the shoot. Okay, hold on. Uh, I was here all along. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we only need like a 10 second countdown. Go. Okay. <laughs> Is this your first day, dude? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Yes, that's right. We are here. Again, uh, fulfilling our three and a half year mission here, guys, on Live Long a Podcast, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We are all the way into season two here, guys. Uh, episode seven, The Rules of Acquisition. Uh, this is also known as Deep Space Nine at Nine. Uh, so... <laughs> Deep Space Nine time at nine, actually. That's right. Uh... Well, I go just nine at nine. But... Um, that we, I beg to differ. Uh, okay, so this guy episode, guys, uh, what did you guys think about this episode? Um, first impressions, I guess, is what I would ask for. I'm going to start with, you know, above me here. Uh, we well, Let me just introduce everybody first, actually. I'm sorry. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We are here with uh, my, my brother, the creator here of the Live Long Podcast Kingdom, uh, uh, Dave Mater. He's above me in the, the command center. Uh, doing his thing. Uh, say, say hello. Um, Kevin Millard over... He doesn't have the lights on tonight, and he doesn't have the no. Enterprise and all its glory on tonight, but he he is... Still has his opinions, and he doesn't care <laughs> what you he think. Light for opinions. He can come up with them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then we... Go, uh, so that's Kevin Millard. And then we go over into Funko World. Uh, Jamil Robinson wearing the Captain Marvel shirt tonight. He he has hot takes for days, and no, don't tell him to cool down because he won't. Um, Jamil Robinson, how are you? I'm okay. Okay, he always has his Tom's. Where's the drink? Where's the the go fuel today? Or wh- no whatever. go fuel today. I'm drinking water. It's Just the water. it's the 254th rule of acquisition. Oh, my, I got the beer, <laughs> so uh, maybe I need some of those uh, seeds that make me thirsty. Uh, you know, so th- th- that would be brilliant. Oh, strongbow apple cider. Okay, so l- let's get into this episode, guys. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you since I introduced you first. First impressions of this episode. What did you think? Uh, what stuck out to you? What did you like? What did you not like? What did you cry? Did you laugh? All the things. Um, yeah, I'd say that uh, this episode does stick out more to me, especially watching it tonight, trying to analyze it more. I don't think I've ever really studied this episode in the sort of scheme of the show as much as I did tonight. I've w- seen it before. It's not. Uh, it was one of the more uh, memorable episodes with the whole turnaround or the dual identity with Pell. But it's also, you know, it sets up the Dominion arc. It's there's a lot of right. things going on here. This is the I think this is the second appearance of Zach, right? And so it's kind of an interesting second appearance of Granny's Zach, and we we learn more about the Frankie culture, Dax's rogue nature in this. So I think that there's a lot to talk about uh, and a lot of good things. Um, and I think that it, more of it played better on retrospect. And it's it's also kind of a tragedy with this love story with Pell right. and Quark and, and right. how I mean, how Quark is sort of this flawed character, you know, they've established like, he can't get past Ferengi tradition right up until the end, right? Up, actually, not here. I can talk about it. Right up until the end. He's, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, it's kind of funny, like with Pell, like, you know, like where ja- uh, Dax is like, oh, you're in love with him and blah, 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 blah. And she kind of like susses it out in that conversation. And it's just kind of like, 
But like Cork never ever seems to be interested in like a sexual relationship or love or anything like that. Like he doesn't seem to be the type. Uh, so like Kevin, what did you think about that? Did you think it, did you think it worked this episode? I did. I think any episode that starts with Morn passed out on a bench is <laughs> going to be a great episode. Well, that's yes. The but, great thing about that part was they tell him you can't sleep in the promenade. So he gets up and goes to Quark. No, oh, yeah, no, because Odo tells him go home, and his home is Quark's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Odo um, is the worst. I, I, I like this episode because I didn't like. Um, it's better than the first Ferengi episode. I feel like they redeem themselves with this this episode. The first Ferengi episode kind of falls flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's striking, actually. What's most striking in this episode to me is how much they changed Rom's character from the first two seasons to the last. Uh, watching both of those sort of simultaneously right now yes. is uh, a little jarring with <laughs> with Rom. And who Rom right. is, yeah, later in the show. Yeah, but they changed him for the better anyway, I think. Right, because Kevin, uh, Ashley's not with us tonight, but Kevin has been watching along the whole series with Ashley to get her caught up because she had uh, not watched the whole thing. So he's kind of yeah. watched. He's, he's a man of two times right now, Kevin Millar, when it comes to watching D6 time. <laughs> but over to Jamil. Uh, what what are your takes on this episode? Do you, do you like the the relationship, the romantic part? Do you like the rules of acquisition references? Do you, you know what, what sticks out for you? So you can take many approaches with this episode. Like I like um, first off looking at just Dax as a character. So one uh, awesome gambler. <laughs> Two, um, you kind of get more sense of her her tastes, right and you know, even Kira is like, your tastes are kind of extreme. And how could you like just deal with the the Ferengi the way you do? And and Dax is a romantic at heart, right? And she she can look past a lot of the rough edges or rough lobes, right? To see like the actual heart of the Ferengi culture, right? Not just the individuals, but the culture itself. She enjoys the culture. And that's why she's able to to kind of just intermingle so so casually. Right. She understands that their very overt misogyny and sexism um, is is cultural, not the heart of the individual. Right. She she makes a stand and she does call them out when they go past boundaries that she finds unacceptable. But she also loves the culture itself, the other parts of the culture that she's able to connect to. Uh, secondly, um, I'm just going to like take over this and just start talking. With Pell, I did like the fact that she, one, uh, noticed that Pell was in love with Quark, but did not know she was female. Right? Which is something that people will quickly overlook. So... One, um, Dax, way to go in terms of her radar, right? <laughs> because she totally sets that out. Um, although anyone watching the show can see that there is like uh, a kind of uh, uh, not even if it, even if it wasn't like a romantic love, um, like a, 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 some kind of like kindred spirit with Quark, right? That Pell was just compelled to just give and give to Quark. Um, so before I continue rambling on for another hour, um, that's how I feel about the episode, uh, to be continued. 
Okay, great. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of time to break it all down here on Live Long a Podcast, Deep Space Nine and Nine. Uh, here talking about uh, Deep Space Nine Season 2, Episode 7. Uh, the rules of acquisition. Uh, you know what I feel like this episode represents to me is it's kind of like the episode that is the second part of the cast. You know, like the main part of the cast is kind of like, you know, the Cisco and Kira and Bashir and like the, all the Starfleet people. But this is all like like the the other people to me like in the in the show that kind of get to interact with like 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 who aren't Starfleet you know like all the Ferengi yeah I know it's primarily figure but we also get like Dax we also get like people that kind of like come in and out of the Ferengi world that kind of represent like what the station is especially later on and I think this is kind of like the start of that like the, there's no Cisco command stuff going on pretty much at all in this episode. And I, I think that's kind of what made Deuce Stand a little bit more unique. Dave, over to you. Um, what 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 is standing out for you with like this episode? Do you feel like it's like yeah, it's like a not very it's not like a Starfleet episode at all. It's about the Star Trek world, but it's not about Starfleet. Yeah, you know, it's about the Ferengi, and it's about growing them as uh, a race, uh, uh, like a, like as as each race in this series has a certain character or sort of traits associated with them and the culture and, and, and a belief system and how all these divergent viewpoints and ways of life can somehow coexist. And I th- this is trying to explain that. And I think that through Dax's lens is exactly what this is about, that they have yeah. flaws or things about their culture that humans and other species don't necessarily agree with. And the allegory, of course, is to cultures on our, you know, in uh, within the human race uh, on Earth today, and how, you know, in cities and in, you know, in, in North America, especially where you know so much immigration here, where you have all these crossing overs of cultures, how how you have to learn to uh, work within that, and here it comes across really badly, you know, considering the Bajoran people are a progressive race but are they you she know? does get her ass like pinched yeah like, she, three she's times being harassed you can forgive her a little bit <laughs> okay i'll get the pinch but she she you should see, not let zach get away with wait, that. hold on a second how how do you feel that the bajoran race is very progressive <laughs> like, they're not really progressive did we not just see the cultural war that just happened at the beginning of this season well better brile <laughs> <laughs> one dude, one, one religious guy. figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. The you can see good. they're very oh, like claim to fame. I don't grab ears anymore. <laughs> yeah. right. I don't think we should <laughs> grab ears anymore. I think it's weird. Right. Uh that's <laughs> can I be Kai? Kai Wit Kai Wynn wasn't voting Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm I'm just saying that you're coming from a race, Bajorans, who were oppressed and now has a sense of freedom but they're also searching for identity so of course they're going to be um, grasping on with two hands very strongly to the old religious texts and the old culture and so you can understand why what happened earlier in the season occurred and also kira is more progressive than the traditional bajoran but still she's she is not as experienced with different cultures and and different like uh societies as much as the individuals from starfleet or even dax herself who's lived multiple lives and multiple like 
places, cultures. So, like, you can kind of understand why there can be, like, Kira's trying to be open to Dax's lifestyle and point of view. And Dax is very accommodating to all the the snide remarks that Kira makes throughout the entire series <laughs> about her choices, right? But like, <laughs> but you can see why. You can see why. And and once we have that perspective, we can kind of like accommodate, right? Their reaction, right? And hope that they can meet meet us at the finish line. I think that's Dax's perspective. Yeah. And and the other again, I, I agreed on all points there. Uh, and I think the other thing that stands out to me was, you know, just Pell and Quark and this whole story. Um, the you know, Pell is a character. She's the it's the first female Ferengi, I think, in the all of Star Trek, I believe. Um, but you know, not she. I think she's only in this one episode, um, and we never see her again. And I think it's kind of unfortunate because. Uh, I think Quark and, and her really worked really well together, but that's the tragic story is that Quark can't accept it. You'd never be a Ferengi wife and you would never adhere to our, our culture because Quark really believes in his culture, right? Even though like uh, Ferengi's like Nog and and, uh, and his brother Rom, who's not progressive in this episode, will will grow to become different people and Quark won't. Quark will stay this person till the end. And this, you know, he's like, if there will be one place, the Ferengi culture will reign. We'll be here. But, it, but it, well, still being true to his culture, he did. She did break through to him, though. In this episode, I mean, it didn't help her, but no. it, you can see that he cared. That he cared about her, regardless. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of, no, yeah. But he did a heart part of him. But, you know. Yeah, but he didn't like love her, right? Uh, I think he may have. But to to be fair, like as much as we we like this story, kind of love is kind of quick happening here. Right? Yeah. Every yeah. every I mean, Dax almost married a guy that was not going to be back and stay <laughs> on that planet that was phasing in and out. In yeah, a few, Joy was going to marry some guy she married she met when she was a kid. Remember? Yeah, love <laughs> happens fast when you only got forty five minutes an episode. <laughs> I guess that's true. I, I got to make that. Like they if gotta they, make that happen. If they stated that like Pell has been working there for an extended period of time, right? Right. I mean, she's been watching from afar, and this is her opportunity to to kindly get in good with Quark. Like, um, I, I could buy it, and but at the same time, like in terms of spending time with Quark. Not much time was spent, so no, I like the expectation that you're gonna just start like making out with him on the bed with some with one glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the best move. No, yeah. she went for it. She got to give her credit. She went yeah. for it. Um, yeah, that was a weird. That was a weird scene though, like uh, where Cork was denying it, and he was like, "What kiss? What do you mean?" And that never happened. And then he's just like thinking about the prophet and. I don't know, like, maybe he was just in denial, and that's how they were showing it, or something like that, he just didn't want to talk about it, or... Yeah, what was Quark it. feeling at any given time in this episode is kind of uh, up for debate, I think. Uh, you know, I think yeah. Armin Shimmerman plays it really well, very ambiguously, like, I, may, I think confused is often how he's playing it, and I think that that's how we're supposed to interpret it, because he doesn't, you know, there wasn't, uh, like, this is kind of a... Um, a gay story, but it's not. But it's it's kind of thrown into an early version here of Star Trek. Before, uh, um, 
you know, in the nineties when this wasn't big. Right. And so this was, this was, you know, they were playing, I, I think this is Iris Stephen bears script. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think it's got a lot of interesting thought provoking ideas in terms of gender and in terms of identity and sexuality and who, and how our main characters, uh, interact with that in when you weren't allowed to talk about those things a lot or not directly. But in a sense, isn't Pell the perfect Ferengi female for Quark? For someone who is so focused on profit and succeeding, she is there completely submissive to see him succeed. At no point was she trying to betray him, right? She went out of her way to, mm. to defend him when everyone was like, why did you do this? Right? So... In a sense, it is tragic, what you were mentioning before, um, that he lost out on possibly the only woman he could possibly trust completely and also be better because of her. Right. Yeah. This I think this was his shot. This was his shot at love. Like, there will be... Grilka will come along, and he has this. He's carrying this torch for Dax, but it never really makes sense or works. It's not. They were never getting together. Either version of Dax. Not enough uh, whiskers with, with Quark. Uh, not enough whiskers. That's right. Yeah, like it's it's um you know Quark and and this character. I think it's unfortunate we at least didn't get to revisit this character again. Um and 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 her effect on Quark. You think yeah, the Quark would have at least figured out. Well, maybe. I still think Ben should be running the business, but maybe there's there's a halfway where at least women can wear clothes. I don't know. Some, something yeah, women wearing clothes was a big deal in this. That's episode. a huge deal for them. I don't even know how it works on Ferenginar. Can you just imagine like like all these? Well, you wouldn't see them because all the women have to stay indoors too. So it's uh, it, it, it's just once again we're we're putting our ideals towards their culture and mm -hmm. it's so jarring and it makes no sense and it's weird and and that's why it's so kind of repulsive and and queer it's hard to imagine for me yeah like, or conceptualize like this works for them right. because you know whatever but i don't quite I don't, it's hard to follow other than the frankie men just like it that way um and that's what it it feels like you know and that feels wrong. It feels like, you know, one part of that. But that's also prime directive talk. And, you know, hey, don't tell them, judge or interfere with their culture. Right? <laughs> I guess. Don't get caught is what you mean. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a part of this episode. But I guess like a big part of it, too, is just like the Ferengi are this culture that basically is you know sexist misogynistic like all these you know terrible things but at the same time like jabil kind of pointed to it earlier that like it's the the core of the person that matters which is a big metaphor for like you ever met like somebody that was like a muslim or a christian or had like certain hardcore views uh, and then you judge them just based off their views or their culture uh, might not be telling you the whole story of like the core of the person, basically, right? Is that the kind of the point of the story with the Ferengi? Well, at least what Dax Dax's point of view. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily the core of the story with the Ferengi. I think it's acceptance. I think it's being able to accept things. And I think that there's a certain thing about influence, you know, over time, people changing. Obviously, we see Rom changes. You know, we right. you know, see the mentioned. Nagus change. The Nagus right. change, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, all of Ferengi's society <clears throat> at the end of the show changes, but not right. Rom. Which I'm is, really. once again, you're right as to it's weird that they never revisit this because like when the dust settles of this series and how Frankie culture has changed, you kind of like Quark should have like a moment of like reflection and go, you know, I really missed something, you know, way back when. And I wonder if there's still a chance. Um, that would have been a nice kind of cliffhanger or, or see him kind of move to i would have liked to see that right yeah because they do revisit this subject matter quite a bit with but only it's his mother not right. not pell or him it's it's his mother and the negus and they they could have brought pell back or, or at least said something about what had happened to yeah. Pell or whatever Just, you know? justice for pell and ju <laughs> just like justice for tuvix Okay, and <laughs> ran away together. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed at I'm pissed at Pell uh, for one reason. Ooh. Why are you pissed at Pell, Dave? Well, fire, okay, fire, I, hot take. What, what was accomplished? Well, maybe there was something accomplished. You know, because we what I alluded to, but what was accomplished by her coming in and ripping off the lobes and Tizak and kind of you know exposing Quark? Because Quark was going to make his fortune, right? Is that why this had to happen? So the Quark wouldn't make his millions and leave to the Gavin Quadrant or whatever was going to happen here. Uh, because he was going to give the bar to Rom, right? To keep quiet about it. And so then that in that like brief five minutes where Quark thinks he's going to get away with this. But then Pell comes in and rips him off. But they all have to keep silent about it. So really only two more people learn about it. Zach and his Mr. Hom guy or whatever. Um, so was that... I think. I think I think what it is is eventually the injustice gets so great that you just have to say fuck you. Right. So it's that's the reason for the for that scene is just fresh just to show her frustration with the entire situation. Right. With the way and things are. Yeah, and it is. It, um but it's only like how has this not happened before? And it probably has on Fregonar. We don't really know a lot about Fregonar's history, do we? Like, do we know like no. We know that they bought warp drive from an alien species, but that's about it. Um, Love it. Right. Love it. That's a great way to go. I mean, if you're gonna, you gotta acquire it somehow. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Why are we on the Federation? <laughs> like, you're like, hey, there's another guy across the street who's gonna do it for me, and I only have to give up some resources for my planet. Bam. You know, expansion. Yeah, and I think the Ferengi are fun in like how their love of business and money and and deals and like there's a lot of fun to them. Let's like present here and that if they could just get past the, their misogyny, they would be a pretty fun race. It's kind of like well, Dax already thinks they're pretty fun, but because she does look past that, even though you know yeah. it's you know I don't know I don't know, but but we know by the end of the show that it's changing that the Frankie are at least a lot of them have changed it. And there's new reforms in place. And a lot of that's because of Zach and Quark's mother and, uh, for what, you know, whatever, but sorry, I lost my train of thought. 
Uh, Don't worry, you'll get it. We believe in you. Yeah. Well, I just think that that's why this is this show is fun and interesting and thought provoking. Is that you know you can have a lot of different discussion about just this one forty two minute episode of things that made me think about not just then and now and in between. Do you? What, think- what do we think of the doci? The doci, yeah, we haven't even got like it got to the surface yet of the doci. The doci seem to be like the gamma quadrant version of the of the Ferengi, except more violent. And the females are seem the aggressor because in the first negotiation, the main negotiator was deferring to his compatriot who was of a female gender. Yeah. Right. So that was interesting, especially with Pell like interacting back and forth right. with her. I thought that was interesting as well. Right. And like especially, the first clue. Yeah, and that was and that was like the on purpose thing to kind of be like the the you know, like yeah, she's gonna see that and go, Well, why can't the Ferengi be like this? They're doing the same thing, the same jobs. And uh she has a point. <laughs> Oh, totally. You totally. Like, Pell's quite courageous, right? But I just think the way she goes about sort of trying to prove her point maybe isn't the most strategic. But I understand the frustration about it. But the doci, just about the doci. And I, I love the make- doci. I wish we had seen more doci. Because uh, they're like professional wrestlers. Like, but, but <laughs> yeah. love business, yeah. apparently. I love their attitude. I'm not a big fan of the face paint, but I love the attitude. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, they're like demolition or something. They come in and uh, they look at this very distinct look. They have a very Klingon-esque nature to them, but they're also, they love deals, apparently. That's not honor and whatever. And uh, They like Black Friday. <laughs> Yeah, I like that they just the party. They're all drinking yeah. the berry wine and whatever. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they were interesting. Obviously, the Dominion thing. We get like this: who's the Dominion and what's that? And we'll, this is the oh, first mention of the Dominion, is it yeah. not? Mention. Yep. Yep. So I have a question: Do you mm-hmm. feel that the series and Star Trek in general um, cheaps out because they kind of make humanity as a like a finished product? And everyone else has problems. Klingons have problems. Vulcans right. have problems. Ferengis have problems. Bajorans have problems, right? But like humanity is like this smug like race of like, oh well, you know, we we made it to the stars and we created the Federation and you know we know better or we're gonna talk down to Grand Nagus Zek in your space station. <laughs> Right, like, who are you, bro? <laughs> you're not even a captain. Yeah. You're a commander, and you're talking <laughs> like the leader of a, like a race. Come on, like, show a little bit of like, like you wouldn't talk to a uh, like ambassador that way. How are you talking to Grand Nagus that way? That, that seemed really like you let Major Kira talk to him like that, even though he, you know she's right. You wouldn't yeah, have. He does say at one point, "Okay, you've made your point, Major," <laughs> but he let her go on for a while before saying yeah, that because he agrees with her. Because <laughs> he agrees with her, he's like, "I don't like these Ferengi either." You get you tell him, yeah. Kira. Yeah, like Cisco is. Oh, he hates the Ferengi. Uh, yeah, <laughs> up until Nog. Yeah, he comes around, but yeah, like Cisco has his own biases, and like it's it's uh, it's interesting that I think that um, you have a point that all these species in that are they, they have some kind of flaw, or there's they're they're not as noble as virtuous as humans because they haven't, you know, they're not as well rounded in some way. 
they're like even Vulcans, like they're too logical and cold, like and whatever. But then Klingons, obviously too violent. Uh, Bajorans too religious. Um, Cardassians too brutal and maybe too political. Too, too political too. Yeah. Never ending sacrifice. And uh, you know, humans, I guess smug, I guess, or like overly pleased with ourselves, I guess, is what the Federation humans were probably happy root beer people, um, whatever. <laughs> root beer yes. people. And that actually that now that you mentioned that, it's um even Quark says that in one episode later on. He's like, I tried to fight against it, but I just love these Federation people. They're here and they're <laughs> right. I think it's when the uh, when the Dominion are on the station. Or they're about to come, like that they might lose the station and mm. yeah, that um that that they will miss them if they have to go. And yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. I think that there's that's maybe what our thing is that we're kind of like in Demolition Man, where you have like all those like uh, happy people like Benjamin Bratt and yeah, like, <laughs> those guys uh, who are just so, so like we just love things and like don't, and wherever she goes to Benjamin Bratt, Sandra Bullock, she says, "Don't you ever wish something would happen?" He's he's like, "Goodness, no." I find my job quite fulfilling. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what we. Uh, that's us. We're just a little bit too pleased with ourselves maybe or... i'm I resisting the urge time. i'm resisting the urge to start quoting demolition man okay mm-hmm. i am i'm fighting it dave I'm fighting it you have been <laughs> issued five citation five yeah, citation number 32 for a violation of the verbal <laughs> morality statute i believe it was uh yes so anyway um jeff where were we get us back on track well, I just think, uh, I mean, we've mostly talking about the episode. I mean, uh, there is a whole thing in this episode here where they need like either 10,000 or 100,000, uh, what is it, liters or gallons of the that, tulaberry? Vats. Vats. Vats of tulaberry vats. wine. Tulaberry wine. And then they couldn't get it done through the the doci. So they then they had to use a different doci person to go to the Dominion. And that's kind of like the first start of the Dominion kind of contacting the Alpha Quadrant, which is hilarious because, of course, it's a business deal. We never meet the Karama, right? Ever in the show? We do. We do, actually. Do we? Yeah. They sound awful. The Karama? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Actually, no, James Cromwell will go on to play one of them at some point. Uh, There's an episode where there's like a torpedo that's going to explode or something and kill Cork and this other guy. Do you remember this? on the Defiant, like they're stuck in this part of the ship after they're attacked by the Dominion, I believe, by the Jemadar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Right? And, yeah, so that guy's a Karama, uh, and they're a member of the Dominion, but as yeah. we'll come to find out, that they're not an important part of the Dominion, really. No. Uh, as, as much as some other members, maybe like the uh, the Vorta. Right. Uh, but we also kind of get this whole thing here with uh, Cork and the Nagus that the Cork finally figures out that the Nagus kind of set him up here and made him go on his wild goose chase just so he could contact the Dominion and then that's when Cork strikes the deal for uh, percentage of the profits right for the Gamma Quadrant with the Nagus which is a big deal he's even willing to sell the bar to Rom which is a how long does this go on for in this show the how many times does he almost give the bar to not? Oh, 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 o
a few. It's at least so ten. Close, like, so close. So close. <laughs> and Rom doesn't end up getting the bar, but you know. <laughs> You know, he gets tired of waiting and he decides to have breakfast and be an engineer. Right. Human breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and get a Bajoran wife. Yeah. Yeah. So he's good with that. Um, but the, Robin, this episode, he's very, he's very, he's pushing court quite a bit. And he's kind of, you know, he, well, it's still very much season one, Ron, where he's like, my brother always insults me. And, you know, the, she's a female. We're going to have to tell the negus if female. you won't, I will. Brother. Brother, yeah, he's always just, he he's so sinister, and 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 what he does to Pell and this whole well, I guess it's in the bringing. Okay, let's talk about Odo. Can we just talk about yes, Odo? I, yes. And let's Odo talk. comes along. He goes, oh, I guess uh, well, Quark left you here. When's he back? I don't know. He never tells me anything. And then he's like, well, well, you. What is he? I, I don't know how they get on it, but he's mad about Pell, and and. Uh, what if someone they, took your brother away? If someone took you away. He's like, well, if I did have a brother, I would never let anybody get away with it. And, he's just yeah, like, yeah. and then yeah. he walks away. And I'm like, well, Odo, you know you just provoked him. You, all you have to do is follow Rom now to see him commit the crime. Is that entrapment? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Yes. Yes, it's entrapment. Yeah, so well, is that why he doesn't more... post Rom for this? I don't know. I would say it's he doesn't trust Rom for it because he only stands beside people when they get shot. That's all he does on the station. He's a good investigator, not a good security officer. Yeah, he has no idea what Rom was going to do. He's just talking. <laughs> it's why Cork yeah. away with so much stuff. Odo just came in there because he misses Cork. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I gotta walk by <laughs> yeah. here, and so. That's exactly right. And instead, he gets Rom, and he's like, oh, "You're not even worth my match mentally." Like he's like, <laughs> he doesn't like it. He's like, "Oh, uh, I got to deal with you now." I guess today I'll think about if I did have a brother. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't let anybody take him away from me. Huh. Even one as worthless as Quark. As what? Even as what is worthless as Quark? Yeah, that was the best. That was maybe my favorite line. Worthless as Quark. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a great. Look for Odo in this episode for the limited amount he's in it. Uh, yeah, really, I think right? it's on brand. It's on brand. <laughs> I think he's just—he's just lamenting the fact that Quark's not there, and there's no the, that give and take isn't going on, and and he can't watch you know? Quark. Yeah, no, the, Quark's gone. He's on a mission. He's not with him on the mission, so God knows what Quark's up to. Huh. Okay, I really want to know what it was like on that space station after. Um, after things changed, so I I want to know how comfortable that bed was that looked lumpy according to Pell, <laughs> but was very comfortable according to Quark. Got me more comfortable than that bench that Morn was on. It was only comfortable because of all the thoughts of Prophet dancing in Quark's head. That's right. It. Was was anybody else like I? I sometimes I don't notice, but was anybody else surprised to see a bench on the promenade? I don't remember. Yeah. A bench. In the middle of the promenade, ever. It makes sense why it would be there because, like, it's a good design idea for, uh, for this. Like, maybe Starfleet introduced it when they they came here because they're like, this. There's no place to sit down. We have old Bajoran grannies that are all over the place. You know, let them. You know, have yeah. places to sit, right? And um, you know. Take. I just don't recall in any yeah. other episode there being uh, benches. There are benches in certain parts of the promenade, like around, I think, 
that area where Quark's entrance is. Um, and some of them move, but it's like basically the promenade's a mall, and we have benches yeah. in the middle of malls, uh, but it's not always there. I think that they sometimes they take them out depending on what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, didn't yeah. matter. I just did. I didn't recall. It's a good thing though that Rom turns out better than this because I was mad at him about this episode. I was like, Rom, you suck. And then I, I come to like Rom later on. But uh, well, yeah, Rom does suck at this point. He needs to suck so he can get better. Right, that's growth. That's that's an arc. He had an arc. That's right. Um. Okay. So let's can we break down Pell a little bit real quick here with like. Do you think she's bold to kind of like, like, kind of like, I don't know, like, take her ears off and show Cork who she is, and like, she's just like, kind of like, oh, she's got no fear, you know? I, I have a lot of feelings towards this. There in the twenty fourth century, she couldn't just surgically add ears to her her lobes to make them bigger, right? It didn't need to be. It could be fake less, like kind of. You know, but still, they could have just, you know, waved, you know, thing, and just put it, you and know, they turn other, turn people into other species. <laughs> it's yeah, like, nope, I'm like gonna use, I'm gonna use, um, like 21st century kind of props, right, yeah. on my lobes. Like, it just seems like a half measure, and like for someone <laughs> she so goes smart, she goes that, she left her spare set like, for Rom to find. She goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, I'm sorry, we can't just add ears on. Now, if you started with a human face, (laughs) we could do a whole thing. (laughs) We could make you into a Ferengi male if you're a human, but (laughs) sorry. Adding on ears, come on. No, that's a whole other bone structure going on there. Um, uh, Okay, so uh, there's a whole moment there with Quark and Pell where you know, um, Pell asks, um, you know, Court to go to the Gamma Quadrant, and he says, "You never be happy being a Ferengi wife." And he he says that like she's like, "No one care. She'll no one will care if I wear clothes in the Gamma Quadrant." And he says, "I'd care." So it's like Cork's kind of being a dick, right? That's my point. Yeah. Is that he's kind of tra- it's not even that he has these views or whatever it's more that he doesn't grow as a person he can't get past himself uh right. not just here but like over and over again his stubbornness is just an inherent cu- counterpoint to his character which he's ferengi but he's compassionate he's tempered by by he has a goodness to him but he's also incredibly proud of who he is and who his culture is and and so and he doesn't want to give any of that up you know and so um he takes all the good with the bad no matter what when it comes to that stuff he's american kind of okay not a bad analogy right um send a hate mail folks i'm ready (laughs) i'm ready Um, I like the whole like the give and take that Quark ends up having at the end of the episode though here with Nagus, where he's like, you know, oh, uh, are you gonna, uh, you know, say like a female negotiated on your behalf? And he's like, I didn't know she was a female, and it's like, well, then it's, you know, then then you're stupid or whatever. And they both <laughs> use, they both use that same line on each other. It's you know, I see your point. You know, it's kind of how it ends, and 
uh, you know, so it has to remain a little secret, which kind of everything kind of gets tied up in a nice little bow in this episode. It's uh, you know, well. <laughs> in the best line in the whole episode. Game on you. Game on you. And wait till someone gets to play Zach. Uh, <laughs> uh, radio theater. Oh, uh, can, can we get like um, let, message uh, Gilbert Gottfried and see if he's free? <laughs> yeah, Gilbert Gottfried as Zach. Yeah, as Zach Beck. Why um, are you? Shame on you! <laughs> shame on you! Yeah, it was. I liked Wallace Shawn always in this role, even though his freaking voice is like chalk on sand or like nails on chalkboard or whatever. Um, whatever. Yeah, no, he's whatever tough. He's tough. For <laughs> but he's also incredibly just part of this whole troop of Ferengis and they bring it all together sort of as, a, as an ensemble in a lot of ways. But it's Kevin, true, you're right? absolutely right in terms of this being a great, like a really good rehab of the Ferengi culture. Yeah. No show has this quite like none of the other Star Trek shows have what DS9 has in not, not just with the Ferengi, but with, with the Bajorans for better or worse. We know a ton about right. them and, <laughs> and, and the Cardassians. And I'd say more about humans and it's um, more about the world than Starfleet. It's, yeah. it's more. And, and, yeah. Klingons. We also have Worf and all the Klingons. You know that we all get all the Klingon stuff. That's only you know, and Enter or uh, sorry, uh, TNG had done a lot of Klingon expansion. True. We, but it was more TNG like Starfleet interacting with Klingons, not like individuals dealing with Klingon culture, right? It's it's Riker, the commander, trying to fit in with a Klingon ship with his Starfleet protocols and thought process. It wasn't like. Hey, I'm gonna start playing jazz in the um, uh, at the table, right? And see if we can make like a King on um, opera song with the jazz um, trombone. Like that wasn't a part of it. It wasn't Riker specifically. It was just Starfleet on a Klingon ship and vice versa. Yeah, you're totally right. Like the like I you I I'm uh, this is no secret. I'm a big fan of the world building in Star Trek and uh, just this like going to these places like yeah it's one thing to the final frontier and to seek out new life and new civilizations but i don't want to necessarily just see that at once now that's a new place that that's part of the explored universe and that's interesting it's not old news or boring um you know uh, you know maybe some of it is but like you know largely i it's it's now part of the neighborhood um uh, and i want it to be sort of expanded on and i think that like the closest we got to it, yeah, it was a little bit with Worf in TNG with the Klingons. And then I guess with like the Talaxians and Neelix in the first couple seasons of Voyager, uh, right up until that final Talaxian episode. No one likes that. But, you know, it's. How do you bring like, it up? Well, Seven of Nine with the Borg, though. We learned a lot more yeah, about the yeah. Borg through, yes. through Seven of Nine. Uh, and, you know, that was not to say that Picard doesn't play a big role. So, but like. This is the best criticism against Picard as a series because he's supposedly removed from Starfleet, but yet it's like Starfleet's handprint all over that entire series. And that type of ego and um, uh, unwillingness to like really understand that 
you're not a part of Starfleet. You are just an individual in this big galaxy, and you're interacting with these people. Don't give me your Starfleet BS right, and try shoving it down my throat and try to Starfleet morality, which we've already seen in that world as being corrupt as F, right? And you're telling me I'm doing stuff wrong or my society is doing stuff wrong? How can you tell anything about the Vulcans and what Starfleet did or right? Or um, any of the, the androids and the stuff? You can't, you can't do anything. Like, that type of just belief that they're morally superior, and Picard has that through the entire series, is totally messed up. It's totally. What hum- that's, uh, that's our fatal flaw, humans, is do we just think we know better? That at least in the Star Trek universe, that's what the in the Star Starfleet Star Trek universe, yes. At least in DS9, like <laughs> I guess we get we get a, a good sense of where we are as individuals because Cisco is flawed, right? And we, we learn he's flawed, right? And he understands he's flawed. Everyone on that show is flawed. Bashir, as we learn to learn learn, as perfect as he is, is flawed. Right, this is a series of flawed people. Whereas, I love TNG, and I love how kind of everyone works in harmony and everything like that. But like, this is one of the main reasons why I like DS9 more than TNG. TNG is a nice, warm glass of milk, right? <laughs> that that will put you to milk. sleep. Mm. That will put you that. to sleep. Whereas, mm. DS9 is that that mysterious drink you have that you know you're going to take a sip and it's like, this is going to be one hell of a night, right? It's the party drink. DS9 is the party drink because the characters are so interesting and how they interact and how they're flawed and you you want to see how things progress. You know everything's going to wrap up at the end of like a TNG episode. It might be bittersweet, but it'll still be kind of sweet, you know? Yeah. You know Wesley's not going to be executed. Yeah. <laughs> but you hope you hope he will. <laughs> what? Well, you were saying all that. I was thinking, you know what? Like TNG, that's like Coke. That's like Coca. It's so sugary, right? But then you got like DS9. That's like rum and Coke, right? Like it's like a little bit interesting. And then I don't know what Voyager is. I think it's like a uh, 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 peach schnapps. Is it like peach Diet Coke snaps. without <laughs> caffeine? And maybe some kind mm-hmm. of uh, uh, kombucha. I don't know, but it's uh, but it's something else. But yeah, I think that that you're right because TNG I is is Enterprise is is Discovery um, prune juice. Maybe maybe Discovery. Prune juice. <laughs> this no way, prune juice is a warrior strength. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, well, you need to be a warrior to get through Discovery. Um, Enterprise might be like old English. It's you know you can drink it, but it's so it's rough getting it down. Yeah, and the end of the bottle is terrible. <laughs> yeah, the very end disappointing. of the yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's very I'm kind of like, like, why do I love? I think DS9 is the best compromise in terms of tone because I think that the the original series, the next gen, if there if there's anything wrong with them, is that they're a little too perfect, idealistic. There's no problems. There's no tension really between the characters not not really um and that most things get along you know at tng expanded on this more than than um 
than original series did. But then I think the DS9, they were smart. They were like, okay, let's take this a little further. Let you know, we'll still have this idealistic federation, but we're on the new frontier where things aren't this simple. And you, you know, those answers aren't exactly. Uh, they don't make sense necessarily. So I think that, you know, in terms of how dark maybe like Discovery Times or the card has been in certain places, you know, trying to make it Game of Thrones, trying to make it more HBO and kind of R-rated swearing, whatever else they want to throw in. I feel like DS9 was like the perfect mix of all that, you know, just for the time and place and what it was. The easiest, the simplest thing for you to look at is in TNG, would Nog and uh, Rom be able to have an arc like they did in DS9? And the answer is no. No, no way. No. But they no. couldn't like a show like Discovery if they were on that show. <laughs> would they? Well, Jeff, what do you think? You would think that now watch? that like the, the Star Trek that we've watched, we've watched you haven't watched all of Discovery, but is Jeff frozen? I oh, think maybe. you said Discovery too many times. <laughs> there you go. See, so I had to say it to like unlock the. Oh, oh. Well, Kevin too. Kevin, you only saw all of Picard, right? And you saw that that is sort of what the new people and head of Star Trek thought that that's what a new Star Trek that was their vision of a new Star Trek. This serialized episode, like you know, each episode connects yeah, one big story. Introduce characters I hate. That's what they did. I hated everything about it. <laughs> yeah, but like, but isn't that more? Is that better? Is that better television? Is that more modern television? Is that what audience? It's mo- more like? modern. I don't know that it's better. I just, I don't think it's better. I don't. Because like don't. there is maybe even though DS Nine is better than like TNG and Voyager in comparison to how like non-static it is because that's what the other shows. Kind of especially Voyager. Voyager's way too static through the seven years to almost almost nauseating level uh, because the characters don't change or grow much. Chakotay season right. one is no different than Chakotay season seven. Um, <laughs> you know, and so he, he never even grows a goatee or a beard or nothing. nothing. <laughs> but like in the course of a of, an, of a season of Picard in the new modern Trek, they would grow a they would change Raffi or at least get her on the way to a changing. Something like that. Even if you don't like Raffi and these characters, which I know you don't, uh, it's um, I don't know. Yeah, like, they, they could change her, but I, I just they'd have to change almost everything about the show to make it better. I I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I I don't like what they're doing with it. It's too. It's gone too much the other direction. It's gone too far away from the perfect human star trek and gone fully the other direction yeah in terms of serial television i like the anime model when an anime starts off right they're introducing the characters and they're introducing they're doing the world building so a lot of the first episodes are all single episodes where they introduce a a specific concept and the show kind of wraps up in the 22 minutes that's involved once they lay the groundwork, then they can start bringing seal um, elements into it and tie up uh, loose ends that were that were shown in earlier episodes and have it as uh, expand upon it as a through line to the first season, the end of the first season. Like that works. You build your foundation and then you grow off of it. Lower decks 
even did a better job with that, right? Oh, yeah. Because of the later episodes, which were stronger, were built off the work that was done in the earlier episodes, yes. which weren't that strong. But you can get away with it because it's the early episodes. Picard was this just grand opus, which we're supposed to care about people that we haven't met. And they don't really give us a reason to actually care about these people. Why am I supposed to care about Rafi? About what is eventually told in like episode seven, right? Like, what is my connection to her, right? Like, there's no connection to these people. Even Picard, if you're watching that series and you haven't watched Star Trek before, why do you care about him? There's no reason. There's no reason to. And if you did, if you were a fan before, why? I don't buy that he's going off on this mission with nobody that he was with before in the show. Like, why? This is like some big, huge thing he's going on, but he's he's not bringing anybody with him that was from the Enterprise. Like, he goes and and would Kirk would Kirk do something like that? No, he would. No. He would. He would call upon his friends to help him. Yeah, because he'd die without Spock. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He literally does. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, on that last mission, even where with uh, Scotty and Chekhov. So it just seems so like. Even if it was like friggin' Nash, where were the hell was Vash? Sorry, where was Vash? Where was she? She was off of Picard, Q. you mean? Yeah, Picard. Like, if he's going on a, a rogue adventure, right? Why wouldn't he call, like, the schemey people that he knows? Call Vash. I agree with you, yeah. Jamil. There's way too many new characters in that show. Um, <laughs> they When the, they're building off an old show. It's so stupid. Like, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. My question is, basically, what I'm trying to get at is... Do you okay? You talk about like shows like that, just you want things to be more of the peak television level, right? Like, ideally, so like you want things to, if if possible, you want something to be like not Game of Thrones, not the way last season, but how great that show was, Sons of Anarchy, all these like epic TV shows. And do you think that Picard was that Picard and Discovery? I think we're we're sort of the modern era, like at least trying to be those kinds of shows, like trying to be closer to yeah. what they think people want to be it to be. Right. How but, is okay? Go ahead. I was just gonna say quick that I think that those shows may try to do that in a box or like want to get Emmy awards, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't be thinking that way. Like I don't, you know, they should be thinking of like what would be. We lost him. I agree. Uh-huh. What would be exactly? And that's my idea. Um, while, while Jeff is while we're for <laughs> good for sure. Well, Jeff's buffering. <laughs> we, yeah, lost me. Yeah. What will be is where we last left you. What will be? Um, well, I don't remember what I said, but what does matter here is, um, like I don't know, like the yeah, those shows are trying too hard to be something that they're not. Be what you are. You know, like uh, be Star Trek. Be make a show like. Well, what I've learned now is that Star Trek can be anything, almost right. Like Star Trek can be Lower Decks. Star Trek can be Deep Space Nine. Star Trek can be 
original series, original series, the animated series, um, or the movies, or it can be the JJ verse, I guess, or it can be um, Enterprise. No, it can't be. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Go ahead. Preferably not Enterprise. Oh, there he goes. You know. <laughs> but yes, I I do understand that. Like, okay, people keep on saying Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a very specific example. An example that was based on a very dense book series. So, like, the, like that first season is the book, basically. That first season is the book. And when I say it's the book, you can read the specific chapters that deal with the episode. And the inner monologue is what's being played out via acting. So, they already have, like, <laughs> the story laid out for them. Picard was a, a supposed to be supposedly a single season epic, which wasn't really epic, which doesn't really that depends way too much on having a prior knowledge of earlier series that were what thirty years ago. Uh, does not introduce its characters at all. It is a spinoff that is like thirty years too late. <laughs> right, it, it literally, it's thirty years too late. It, yeah. it, it's, it's like someone making hey, um, and thirty years from now, they're gonna make a Bill and Ted TV show, um, um, for one season, and it's gonna be about Bill and Ted's kids. That will probably happen. It'd be like, <laughs> who are these people? Right, and they'll have like an obscure reference to. Bill's father, the police chief, or the the sorry, the not the police chief, the assistant that was right beside him in in the movies. Do you remember that person? No, because it was just a person to the side that didn't really talk. But it's like expecting you to like I, I remember the lore of this because you know I kept up with Picard in the last 30 years, said uh, like a huge worldwide um fan base like star wars doesn't approach things like this right why are they assuming that everyone's gonna know like about this world well you think that each show needs to reintroduce people to star trek stanley was right in the sense that um each comic book is someone's first comic book right this series is someone's first series about star trek is this the a good first series for someone to watch star trek Absolutely not. No, I mean Picard. I'm sorry. But like, let's talk about Lower Decks in comparison, just while we're on the subject, because I think Lower Decks does quite a bit to try to explain to you, especially the different colored divisions. Like they go command division and sciences division and whatever. They they go to their way to explain that to you. But then it's just a it's a series of reference jokes that you have to be a fan of the series to laugh at largely. Like, um, but that's not for a new viewer. Yeah, but, it, but isn't that what that's what we're saying? That it should be every show has to be an entry no, point in the series, right? Well, if you got to reset I, your mic, you're uh, you're hollow. I'm just saying that Picard as like an hour long drama versus Lower Decks, which is supposed to be a comedy cartoon um, for fans, Tuss. right? Light and whimsical, right? <clears throat> It's two different things. I'm, I'm I'm talking about Picard in terms of DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, original live series. Actions. Live action, yes, live action, standard. Okay. Yes. Um, I care more so about the, the, the shows that are canon. Everybody on Picard. It is canon. 
Uh, it shows that are canon. It's right, Chappelle. <laughs> Lower Decks is canon. not canon. We, agree. we already agreed it was canon. Uh, Kevin, was is Lower Decks canon? I don't care. It doesn't matter okay. at all. It doesn't no. matter. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't I matter. Don't. And we agreed it doesn't matter. I was just hoping to get a three to one vote, but. <laughs> no, I'm always. Ashley talks about canon all the time, and I'm just like, would you just shut up? I don't care. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a good point. That's uh, kind of how I feel about it too, especially with Lord Dex. It's just like, let just let uh, like the people who care just let us worry about it, and it is. So let's just, and moving on. I will. So, so I'll, I'll try to wrap up my last point of why I've been dragging Picard for the last twenty something minutes. Picard is supposed to be, or what they thought to be, was supposed to be the gateway from the old fans to the new fans and a new show, right? And because Discovery failed in terms of that regard, and it does a worse job than Discovery. Regardless of how people feel about Discovery, and at least you can watch it and it's like, okay, it's a starting point I can watch. I can hate the show, but it's still a starting point I could jump on. Picard is not that whatsoever. You like you would need to like go on memory alpha every episode to like, oh, they referenced that. Okay. Right? There's no there's no entry point in Picard at all. Yeah. Okay, so I'm trying to figure out why they did what they did. Like, and I'm trying to also say, like, get, just came back to D Space Nine, which is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, D Space um, Nine and Nine. Always so off topic, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, we always go on tangents here. But okay, on D Space Nine, like, is DS Nine dated? Right? Is DS Nine feel like a '90s TV show, or does DS Nine still no. work today? I don't. Know. I still enjoy the episodes, and uh, yeah, I feel like the show holds up, even when you get like, he's a Cardassian. Like when you get those moments, sure. Still, yeah. like our society is so messed up that it's still timely. We can look at this and go, "Yeah, this this is exactly what's happening right now," right? So yeah, when we watched that, when I watched that episode with the bell riots with uh, with mm-hmm. Ashley, she was like, "Wow, they're like they're like actual prophets. Like that shit's happening right now." That's in four years from now. <laughs> The yeah. Bell Riots in DS9 are in in twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's a big change. And World War Three is coming. And if that didn't happen, we we wouldn't have gotten into Star Trek world, I guess. So that's good. So what we have to do is make sure in four years, we go to San Francisco, <laughs> and then we will run into a uh, Navy Brooks who, and a uh, um, an Alexander Siddig who have time traveled. They and they have arrived in San Francisco. We have to find them. And then we have to make sure that the bell riots go off without a hitch. Well, you have to be killed. And then, then find a way to get back to the 24th century with them. That's right. We're like, and what? Then, we know what's happening with pro- the Dominion War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know what's going on. And then we could just like go to the hollow suites with, you know, yeah. corporate Put knowledge. some whiskers on my face and then meet up with Dax. Yo, baby. <laughs> no. What's up? Pre- prevent Dax's death. No, no. She got to die. Oh well, yeah, that's true. You can't. You got to be like the watcher, like Wesley. Like you just know. Where Where are we going? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm talking about DS9. You guys went on a, sh- a tangent. For well, that. I'm trying to. Yeah, that. that uh, sorry, I just dragged Disco- the Picard for 20 minutes. I like this episode. Well, I like the episode too. 
Because I, 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 maybe I'm thinking ahead because I all this talk of Discovery. By the way, on Thursday night, I will be covering the premiere of the third season of Star Trek Discovery. I know you're all big fans out there who are listening, and uh, you can check that out. I'm going to be doing that with Michael Chan. It looks like Adam Woodward. We have to confirm. Um, so it's uh, we're going to be covering that night while Jamil and Jeff do Big Brother that night. I, we have to debate. Yeah, we got better things to do than watch Star Trek Discovery. We got to head over to Superbiter Bros two. podcast. Oh, sorry, I was going to buy season two so I can catch up. You don't need to. I like I I am considering <laughs> season 3 a fresh start. Um so let's just uh, go for, you know. Yeah, it's just skip season 2. Skip season 2. Um, I'm a completionist. All right, then watch it. <laughs> the because I'm the, I am as well. Um and I had to and I did, but I'm not look I will not revisit any of that anytime soon. But a part of you is missing now. A part of your Star Trek heart. Has been ripped out by the show Star Trek. I'm giving it another chance. I'm a sucker for Star Trek. So uh, we're going to get, you know, here we go, third season. Uh, and if anybody can be enthusiastic and convince me that Discovery is worth watching, it's Michael Chan. Yes. So it's it's going to be. Oh, uh, yes. It'll be good. He, yes. he says he him, loves Discovery. So Him and like, Adam Woodward are yeah, both. They love it. They love everything Star Trek. So why, but maybe not. I don't know. So it's a. Uh, you know, some you know, I like more than others. It's really not the point, Dave, because we are here, uh, Deep Space Nine at nine, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine Rules of Acquisition, season two, episode seven. Um, guys, we got to get I'm back nice. on track here and wrap up this episode and talk about everything that was going on with Quark. Do you like Quark at the end of this episode? Do you dislike Quark? Do you think he did the right thing protecting her after the? You know, you should be a shame on you. Shame on you. Uh, does Quark does Quark make things right? As best he can. For, best he for Quark, that. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it works out for Quark. Other than he doesn't get the profit from the Gamma Quadrant, he gets his bar back, everything rests back up. Right? Right. Is that like a karma? Is this story about karma? I think so. Or something, you know, and... Um... And whatever I don't know. I think that like I like Quark more after the episode, but I also not as much as they could have written it to be. They could have you know made mm-hmm. him more like noble and more of a hero, sure. and they don't. So you have to sort no. of take you have to swallow that, like for for better or worse. It is what it is. That's right. Okay, so should we get we're getting over to the fun facts, guys? Yes. And, and we'll talk about some fun facts real quick. I only got a few. Uh, I just got a what I was looking for. Okay, guys, so here we go. This is the first mention of the Dominion. Um, The good thing about watching all these episodes in order from the beginning is we know what the first everything is. Uh, Unless we forget. That that is a high, high up. Okay, makeup designer Michael Westmore based the facial art of the Dosai on those of the tribes of Bordeaux and the South Seas. So there you go. That's not super fun. <laughs> I love it. It's just fun fact, Dave. It's not super fun fact. <laughs> this episode, your expectations. This episode marks the first time to see the game of Tongo being played. Yeah, Tongo. Tongo. <laughs> Actor Armin Shimmerman is extremely proud of the fact that the first Alpha Quadrant race to make contact with the Dominion are the Ferengi. 
But are the Dosi really in the Dominion or the Dosi, whatever their name is? They seem to be sort of uh, adjacent. Adjacent, yeah. They're Dominion adjacent. Okay. References the rules of acquisition, acquisition number 21 never place friend, friendship above profit. Number 22, a wise man can hear profit in the wind. Number 33, it never hurts to suck up to the boss. Number 48, the bigger the smile, the sharper the knife. Number 59, free advice is seldom cheap. Number 62, the riskier the road, the greater the profit. And number 103, sleep can interfere with dot, 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 dot. I'm guessing it was profit. Um, this is the first appearance of a Ferengi female. The only other actual Ferengi female to which we are introduced is Cork's mother, Aishka, who appeared five times throughout the series. She was first portrayed by actress Andrea Martin in Star Trek 269 Family Business, Cecilia Adams, who reprised the role in Star Trek 269 Ferengi Love Songs, Star Trek 269 The Magnificent Ferengi, Star Trek 269 Prophet and Lace, and finally, Star Trek The Dogs of War from Star Trek 269. This is also a drag queen Ferengi in Prophet and Lace. Uh, sorry, there is one. Uh, this episode was originally to be titled Prophet Margin. Uh, they changed it. The couple of pack leads are seen uh, in the background of some scenes on the promenade, including when Odo is talking to Rom in the bar. We want all the ship pieces. <laughs> so we have all the ship pieces. <laughs> another Enterprise? Uh, yeah. We want all another more Enterprises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Just great. The, uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Shacks. Lord uh, the, uh, the Karema are mentioned for the first time in this episode. The Karema. Uh, I like to go with Karema. Pronunciations of some words. and it, it's, it's Ishka, not Aishka. I like to go with Ishka. Jeez. <laughs> Bro. It's from the radio theater. He sometimes gets the radio theater pronunciations off. Uh so Karema. Uh, uh, the Ferengi rules of acquisitions are a numbered series, uh, 285 total in DS9 time, of aphorisms, guidelines, and principles that have provided the foundation of business philosophy in Ferengi culture written by the first Grand, Grand Nagus Jint. So there you go. First Nagus Jint. This takes place in 2370. In Glatu's, yeah, it's the seventies. In Glatu's costume and other items from this episode were sold in an online auction. So there you go. Lower Dex is ten uh, years after this. There is a hint at general acceptance of homosexuality in the twenty-fourth century when Pell confesses her love for uh, for Quark to Dax. Dax is perfectly at ease with it, even though she believes Pell to be a man. It is only later that she learns, to her astonishment, that Pell is a woman. It should be noted that Star Trek has been long accused of having cold feet regarding depicting openly gay characters, and the lead actors are often accused uh, have accused uh, producer Rick Berman of deliberately squelching any such elements in the script. This has not stopped there from, uh, from being a large number of subliminal clues like this one, which can be found across the franchise if, you, if one looks closely. Okay. And... All right, well, I, saw, I noticed. I noticed. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, and also Quark is much more comfortable with Pell being a man after he or after she kisses him. Yeah, that's way more acceptable. 
way more acceptable for Pell to be gay than for Pell to be a woman. Yes. And doing business. So, you know, there you go. So maybe yes. there's more uh, gays among the Ferengi than we know. Yes, we're gay. only scratching the surface. Uh, Rom is searching in Pell's room to find something to use against him. He finds Pell's fake ears, which Pell uses to disguise the fact that Pell is a woman. In an earlier scene when Pell removes her ears, it is revealed that there are two pair in the box. Why? Unknown. So Rom can find the other pet pair. <laughs> One that Rom can find. Right. Okay, so and that's it for Fun Facts with Jeff. All right, well, let's get to the ratings then. Um... I have to open the file first. Open Ishka. That. Open that file. Ishka. No, Jeff thinks it's Aishka. I think it's Aishka. <laughs> or Karama. <laughs> yeah, you see it. Yeah, you do. I know you're looking at it, Jeff. <laughs> With a direction, <laughs> is that uh, Big Brother? Uh, okay, hold on. Sorry, I'm just distracting Dave while he's doing something. <laughs> What's happening? Okay, okay. Um, so Ashley is away working tonight, uh, I presume. Yeah, Evan, do you want to give your vote first? Sure, uh, give this an eight. All right. Uh, let's go best score tied with your best score. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give it a seven point two. All right, and to Jeff, uh, seven point four. We give it an eight point nine. Eight point nine. Wow. All right. Well, that gives it an average of 7.9 among the four of us. I do not have the IMDb score, but I will look that up quickly. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's 7.5, Dave. Let's go with that. Let's say it's 7.5. So that's uh, pretty good. So this, uh, yeah, this is about, this is above average. This was an above average episode for us because right now, every, if you look at every episode we've rated so far, it's about a 6.3. And this was well above that. Uh, much better than last week's episode, but we were at a 4.8 from Melora, which, which I, well, yeah, we did not like that episode very much in comparison to some of these other season two episodes we have liked. Um, so it's been kind of a mixed bag so far, but we know it's getting better. It's kind of know that we, we know where this is going. So, oh, no, that's up. There we go. There we go. There you go. Click the wrong button. It's chaos. Uh, okay. So, next week's episode is called Necessary Evil. And right. I do not remember much about this. An attempt on Quark's life reopens a five year old murder investigation. <laughs> Oda decides to do some work. It's an Odo episode. Odo. Yeah, Odo's got something to do. I don't really know this episode. Does, any, does anyone else remember this much or know much about it? Nope. Okay, well, not right. a, that's, no. uh, that, that, that doesn't, that's not a great sign. That just means it's not, <laughs> it's not a notable it was, episode. This is the episode where they go back in time and Odo's the, the... No, the, it's not. It's not? No, it can't be because that in that episode, 
that's not till like uh, Odo or sorry until um, Worf shows up, I think, or Eddington at well, least. Well, they're showing it. I'm I'm put it on. It's Odo and Galdutat talking on. Odo's wearing his like civilian clothes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's that same episode where they went back in time. Oh, okay. So yeah, I Seems think. Like... I'll I watch mean... it. I'll comment about it. We'll be watching that next week. And maybe, who knows? Maybe it's the best episode of D Space Nine we've never heard of. So we're going to be checking that Probably out. Not. Probably not. That's, 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 yeah. It could uh, stand out. Could yeah. be above average. Will or will it not be above average? The fate is in our hands. It's how we choose to look at the episode. Right? That's right. Okay. Will so we look favorably ahead. upon it? <clears throat> Looking ahead to this week um, here on Live Long and Podcast, uh, that we're wrapping up our D Space Nine here for Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, we are doing original series rewatching. Tomorrow, we're doing I Mud, which Ooh. is the second appearance of Harry Mud. Uh, we'll be covering that around, uh, well, it sounds like we'll be on more like 7 15 tomorrow. I gotta let everybody know because dad's coming back from golf or something. So I'm like, when are you gonna stop golfing so we can start our podcasts at a regular time? So um, that's coming up tomorrow. Also on Thursdays, as mentioned earlier, Star Trek Discovery season three is starting. I am covering it. Kevin is yawning, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh goody!" And also check it out this weekend as we will be on Saturday night. We will be doing Star Trek Radio Theater, and we are going to be having uh, quite the episode of Star Trek Voyager called "In the Flesh." Which is going to start Star Mott, our friend Mott, Tom Mott Tyrell, as Captain Catherine Janeway. Mott. (laughs) If anything, I am ready for that. I need to hear Mott's version of Janeway. Um, And then, Kevin, you're going to be playing Boothby. Groundskeeper Boothby. Uh, You got uh, uh, Michael Chan as Commander Valerie Archer, uh, Ashley Mollard as Commander Chakotte, and narrating the episode. My wife Jane playing Tuvok and Tom Paris. Jeff's gonna be playing Seven of Nine uh, yet again. He's gonna be reprising Seven of Nine as well as I think you have like one line as Belana Taurus, Jeff. But you're, you're you have Starflow. It's it's I'm not. Gonna... <clears throat> if it was earlier be... season, if it would be, to... it might have to be the Macho Man. Oh yeah, I got those warp cores ready. <laughs> <laughs> warp cores ready. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's going to be like, who was that character? Oh, that was Bolana Torres. Oh, okay. And then uh, we're going to have uh, Jessica Chan uh, playing the Doctor, Harry Kim, and Neelix. And I'll be playing Admiral Bullock and Ensign David Gentry, a couple of 8472 imposters. Uh, not the real thing. So check that out Saturday night. And also our other channels, which include Starch, um, uh, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, where, well, we're now we're doing Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays as we finish up the Big Brother season. Uh, we've got two weeks left. So this week, uh, Jeff and uh, Jamil are going to be covering, uh, well, tomorrow we'll, we'll all be here for the, for the, uh, uh, the veto episode tomorrow night uh, on uh, Wednesday night following that air- airing. And on Thursday, Jeff and Jamil will be covering over on Super Mater Brothers Podcasting to cover that eviction episode where we're who knows who will go between these nominees. Um, and and then the finale will be next week. Uh, so check all that out, as well as our other channel, Trivial Debates, where we do our monthly cho- uh, show where we argue about movies, sports, TV, and more. Uh, check out all that's cross-referenced and uh, in the descriptions and on our channels. So thanks, everybody. Jeff, take us away. Okay, thanks for joining us for D Space Nine at Nine. Uh, uh, we, we, 
I don't I don't include the time. Uh, but th- we, we thank you for all of us here at Live Long and Podcast for joining us. Uh, see you next Tuesday for Deep Space Nine and Nine. And uh, stay classy, Federation. Yeah, so like more stay in the time at nine. Oh, thank you.